Can we say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house who try, who try, and try, and try, and fail miserably so many times, don't we, Dad? All right. Hi, good morning, everybody. So glad you were here. I uh, hope that you've already experienced God's presence. Man, man, was the music just awesome this morning? I mean, my gosh. Uh, that, that was just a powerful time of worship. And, and I will tell you, sometimes you don't know how much you worship to me. You minister to me. And boy, you just ministered to my soul this morning as I heard you just singing and giving praise to God. And so I love it when we assemble together uh, like this in this way. And I want to say, dads, please take advantage of the opportunities that are out there in the cross scene. Make sure you put your name in the hat. There's some very cool prizes. And I noticed they even handed out some free nap coupons to dads. And I noticed some dads here in church who for the very first time maybe or your family told you you're coming and this is not a time you can convert that nap coupon, okay? This is not nap time to some of the men. I'm just letting you know, and I'm watching. We have cameras who take issue. I'm watching. But you can uh, do that after a while. You can, men. And for some of you men, if you need a nap, uh, you know one of the great things you can do is send your kids to camp, <laughs> and you can get a nap, right? And so uh, we're having camp in the city this week on site. In fact, we have some of the camping city staff are here. We can say thanks. They're all here. Are they here? They're here. And they're going to be here all week long. And this campus is being transformed into a camp setting. And that, that's just, it's going to be an amazing thing to see. It's, uh, I don't remember how many years we've been doing this, but it's just awesome. And so we appreciate the Pine Cove uh, camp counselors here and for hope, many of you hosting them. But also coming up, we have a camp where you can send your kids away. Yes, we can. On, on June 28th, I heard cheers on that, uh, June 28th to July the 2nd. And you may stop out there to register your students. It's not too late for fifth grade through the 12th grade. Uh, camp will be in Oklahoma, and so you can go out there and you see these little cards, orange cards like this. You find some one of these cards to say, hey, I can give this to you. They can even help you sign up your kids today, okay, so you can do that. So I hope you'll take advantage of it. Now, if you need a Bible, let's kind of dive in. Whether you're a true word or you're in the sanctuary, you have Bible access. If you are at home, you're in the hospital, you're driving, I'm thinking somehow you have. But in the house, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. They'll bring one to you. We're in the study of Colossians. You can find that by opening up uh, your table of contents. It'll take you to the back of your book. You'll find the book of Colossians. Uh, we're doing a little verse by verse this, this weekend. Uh, last weekend, we started this new series called it Colossians Rethink. Colossians Rethink. And we're rethinking just this whole little book. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus in this world in which we live. Now, last week, a lot of historical, a lot of big picture stuff. This morning, we're starting verse by verse. And when you start walking verse by verse through these opening 14 verses, you see something very interesting. You see a pastor's heart. You're going to see the heart of a pastor. I want to remind you, if you were here last weekend, Paul has never been to Colossae. Never been there. He's never mentored or counseled anybody in Colossae except one person. It's the pastor. And so in these opening verses, he's heard about this little church. And he reveals the heart of a pastor. I will tell you, as I was reading through this over and over again this week, I thought about you often. I stopped and did some of the things that Paul says right here that he did for you often uh, this week. It was just uh, amazing. I mean, this letter could have been written about you, the opening chapters. Uh, so let's read it. Uh, let's kind of see what it has to say. It begins there at verse 1, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, 
and Timothy, our brother, and God too, God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We have heard the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit. It's growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and you truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, that is your pastor, our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, And he told us about your love in the Spirit. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. But we continually ask God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, and whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, Paul, this, this is a, what a way to start a letter. To somebody you don't even know. You, you want to try to find out how to write a letter to a group of people that you've heard about and you think they're awesome, and you want to tell them they're awesome, here's how you do it. And I want to tell you, church, you're awesome. Because I've heard stories, and I continue to hear stories of how much you love God and some of you how much you love people. And how the gospel is spreading through you to all walks of the earth, downtown in our True Worth family, to people that are spread out all over the world in Ethiopia and Nicaragua and Mexico. Man, it's just spreading like crazy through you. And I thank God for you. In fact, the past six weeks, uh, during our Total Package message series, when I just was kind of showing up and doing some different things, I spent a lot of time praying for you and thinking about our future. I want to remind you next weekend, I'm going to ask you to take a little survey, a short little survey to kind of get some feedback from you and where we're thinking God is heading us, leading us into the fall and some things we're going to be doing. But so much time in prayer giving God thanks to you. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. And then he transitions, but he prays first. So, God, I want to do the same. I want to stop here. I want to thank you, God, for this this church that you have created, that you planted, that you have watered, that you have fertilized, God, with your spirit that is bearing so much fruit. I mean, even here during the summertime, God, during the summer on Father's Day weekend when so many dads want to go to the lake, there's so many dads in worship. I see it, God. They love you and their desire to be the men their family needs them to be and believes them to be. God, I see it in grandfathers that are showing up, just trying to close the gap where a dad is not being able to serve, and they show up and do it themselves, God. The gospel being spread through so many. 
for the camp in the city, young people that are here this morning, Lord, giving their whole week, their whole summer to serving you, to spread the good news among your children, your students, for the great love of you have for us. So, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for these people, for this church. And, God, I ask you to speak a fresh word to us, whether I'm in the sanctuary, worshiping at True Worth, or online, or right here in the house, in the ark, God, that you would speak a fresh word through this little book. And you would show us, show us how to be a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus in this context and world in which we live. That each of us, God, when we stand before you, when we stand before our good, good Father, we would hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Dallas and I, my wife and I, we have three sons. And they are not kids anymore. They are men. They are grown men. They are all married. They have jobs. They're employed. They're making a difference in the world. And this is our family right here. This is a family photo here from taking here a few weeks ago in May when we're heading off to Disney World. And, man, I got to spend the day yesterday with all my kids. This is our family. I love them. Uh, these three daughter-in-laws, just like my own flesh and blood. I love them so. They've given us seven grand dogs <laughs> and one granddaughter so far. And you see the little granddaughter right there? That's Lennox. And Lennox, on our trip to Disney, I was with her everywhere we went. And she would kind of venture away and do something. She would turn. This is what she's doing now. She would turn and go, Papa? Like, did you see this, Papa? Do you see me, Papa? Do you see me? And so she's taking her very first ride on the, on the carousel at Disney World. This is her first ride on a theme park ride all by herself. Nobody's holding her. She's strapped in by herself. She's doing it by myself. And she leans over the horse to make sure I'm watching. Papa, do you see me? And it reminded me of my three sons, how all three of them did the same thing when they are growing up. The youngest, the oldest was James, the Justin. When Justin was five years of age, he started off in Taekwondo. And I remember being there watching him start off in Taekwondo, and he would do a little kick toward the board, and he would sometimes fall because he's looking for me. Dad, did you see that? Did you see that, Dad? Then there was Jacob. He was our middle child who started off playing T-ball. He was the pitcher. T-ball. <laughs> pitcher. But every time he would fake the throw to home, Dad, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Thumbs up. He'd be looking for me. Then there was James, our baby, who's now a full-grown man, just got his MBA, moving to eastern Tennessee uh, to serve there in a company. And I remember he, he, was, he could kick the, the soccer ball equally well with his right foot or his left foot. It was incredible. I mean, you couldn't tell the difference. He was amphifootrious or something like that. I'm not sure what you'd call that. Uh, but he could do it with either foot. And so he would kick the ball, left footer. As soon as he kicked it, he would turn to look. Dad, did you see that? Are you approve of that? Was it good, Dad? Did you like it? And then they go into middle school and high school. And now I'm no longer a coach. I'm no longer the parent sitting in the lawn chair on the side coaching them. You know what I'm talking about, parents? While the other coach is coaching, you're coaching yourself. You know what I'm talking about? No longer could you do that because you're so far removed in the stands. But I knew I had to be present at every activity and be focused on every little move because I know when the game was over, we got home, there'd be a play-by-play -play recap. And I was expected to know and see everything that happened on that field that they did. And to be able to talk about it and speak into it in the experience. And we did. 
How many of you remember growing up the need for the approval of your mom and dad? Hey, mom, dad, did you see that? Do you approve of that? Do you give me a thumbs up? That's true of all of us when you're growing up. I want you to go back and think about the first time that you, that you needed that approval, particularly from your dad. Maybe it wasn't sports. Maybe it was music. You could sing or you could play. You could dance. Maybe it was something in the arts. Maybe you couldn't do anything, but you were funny. At least you thought you were. <laughs> and you'd show up at the dinner table, right? And your whole goal was just to get your dad, who never smiled, to laugh or to smile. And so you would tell a joke and tell a joke. It would be dry, dry, dry. And finally, dad would go, <laughs> you go, Yes. He approves. Dad loves me. He, know, he knows that I'm here. He gets it. All dads, please hear this. All grandfathers, please hear this. Your children never get so old that they don't want to know that you see them and you approve of them and you give them a thumbs up. I'm proud. And being a dad and being a grandfather... It's more than just physically showing up. It's being mentally and emotionally present in their lives where you know what's going on. And when they need to, they can look back and see that you know, and you can go, thumbs up, I'm proud of you, I'm here with you, I believe in you. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this. God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That means that God has wired each and every one of us with a desire to have the approval of our good, good Father in heaven. You're just born that way. You're wired that way. Some of you here, you don't know if you believe in God. There's something missing in your life. And I will tell you what, you may not realize what's missing is your need for the approval for the affirmation of your good, good father who knows you and sees you and gives a thumbs up, I'm proud of you. You're made that way. I remember as a kid growing up, and I would hear my dad presiding at funerals, and my dad is a pastor, and I would hear him sometimes say, hey, this person, when they stand before God, they're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I started thinking, oh, I want to hear that. I want, when I stand before God, I want my Father in heaven to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I started, well, how do you do that? And I started looking for the ten things you have to do, the five things you have to do. So that, because I remember now, even now in my life, I find myself not turning to my earthly father, but looking up into my heavenly father and say, Father, do you approve of that? Does it meet the standard? Are you pleased? Thumbs up. And we all do. You don't may not realize it, but we all need that. The Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to this church in Colossians. He's saying, hey, you're awesome. I've heard about the stuff that you're doing. I give thanks and give thanks and give thanks and give thanks and give thanks for you. But I want to teach you something. I want to challenge you on something. And so he does that. Right down there, after, after he gives all these things, about, thank God for you, thank God for you, you're awesome, you're incredible. Down here in verse 10, he says, I tell you all this so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every 
way to please your heavenly Father that you live a life that is so worthy. When you turn to him, he's going to go, yep, I see that. Good job. Yes, love it. Great. And then he teaches how to do it. So I'm going to go through those four things that he shares right here in the bottom of that text. 10, 11, 12, we're going to start at 12 and work our way back up. And some of you dads, I'm challenging you to grab hold of something that you want to do to live a life that is worthy in the eyes of your kids. And that your father would go thumbs up on you being the dad that your kids need you to be and want you to be. So we're going backwards. You go to the very end of the passage down there in verse 12. Here's the first thing he says. To be please him, to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. It says giving joyful thanks. So first thing in your message notes, joyfully give thanks. Joyfully give thanks. If you want to be a person who pleases the Lord, a life that is worthy, the first thing you're going to do is be someone who's just a person of joy, a person who's grateful, where it just flows out of your life. Being a joyful person is not an invitation. Joy is not an invitation in the Bible. It is an expectation. It's almost a command in the New Testament. It's the expected thing that if you're a serious follower of Jesus Christ, it's just naturally expected that there's going to be joyful thanksgiving just flowing out of your life. And he tells us why in the very next verse there in verse 13. Here's why. Because he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves and whom we have redemption. We have been forgiven of our sins. And I look at some of you and I see that it's not just natural that you give joyful thanksgiving on a regular basis. That you kind of go through the motions. You take things for granted. I, I, I'm looking at some of you right now. And some of you, I, I'm just not seeing a lot of joy and joyful thanksgiving coming out of that facial expression in your body language. I mean, you're in worship, right? Because you've forgotten. Some of you have forgotten You've forgotten your past. You have forgotten what God has healed you from, that brokenness in your life. You have forgotten. You have forgotten when God stepped in when nobody else would. You've forgotten. You've forgotten how God loved you when you were totally and completely unlovable. You have forgotten how God surrounded you with people, the right dad, the right woman, the right man, the right child, the right brother, the right sister, the right person to care for you and to stick with you when nobody else would. You've forgotten. You've forgotten that you were lost, that God found you. You don't find God. God's not lost. You, and God says, I see you, I know you, I care for you, thumbs up, I love you, we're going to get out as you can do it. We've forgotten. This is why I like to hang around people who are baby Christians. This is why I like to hang around people who have just been baptized, who have given their life to Christ. 
This is why I like to be around dads who just had a baby, a brand new baby. Because of wow, this is awesome. This is so exciting. They have such passion. They have such zeal. They're just so full of thanksgiving for life and for everything about it. They go, oh, this is so wonderful. And some of you have forgotten what joyful thanksgiving is all about. I find it fascinating. Those two little words in the Greek, you put them together. The word is eucharista, which is eucharist, which is the very word we use for this table. We had communion last Sunday morning. The bread broken, the cup poured out, reminding of the body of Christ broken on the cross. His blood spilled for the forgiveness of your sins. And then when you have the table, it ends with a prayer of thanksgiving because you remember what God has done in your life. Here's a seven-day challenge, very simple, seven-day challenge. Next seven days, start every day. The first thing when your eyes open, give God thanks for something, for someone. Just start doing it. Seven days. Every morning you wake up, first thing, thank you, God, for you fill in the blank. For every meal, every prayer, every prayer you utter, begin with thank you. Not God will you, not God why didn't you, Thank you. I woke up this morning, Father's Day weekend, saying, God, I thank you that some 40-plus years ago you brought this woman to my wife named Dallas. When I was alone and I was thinking there would never be anyone for me, you brought this woman into my life, and now there have been three sons, there are three daughter-in-laws, there are seven granddogs, and there's one granddaughter. And I thank you, God, for the joy of their presence in my life and how much I enjoy them in life. And just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I thank you that when I did not know you, that you did not give up on me. I thank you, God, when I had no direction for my life, you gave me some direction. Thank you. I thank you for the roof over my head. I thank you I have something to eat. I thank you I have a job and I can pay my bills. Thank you. I don't like my job, but I thank you for it because it gets the bills paid. Thank you, God, that I live in a nation where I am free to worship as I please. Thank you for those who died that I might be free. And thank you. It's unlimited. When's the last time you have been so overwhelmed with thanksgiving and joy in your life, it just flowed out like a fountain, flooding the streets all around you? When's the last time? You say, well, people, God, pastor, people don't live that way. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. I know people who were just so full of continual joy and thanksgiving for their life. It flows like a river out of the bank, and you can't contain it. Because they don't forget that except by God's grace and because of God's love, I have life. I'm alive. If you're going to be a person who pleases the Lord, it begins with joyful Thanksgiving, just being a person that way. The second thing we see right back in verse 10, right before it, verse, verse 11, that you might have great endurance and patience. In other words, endure and be patient. Endure and be patient. Uh, my wife, 
in the springtime. She likes to plant flowers and different sort of things. So this year, again, she planted these hibiscus flowering trees around our pool in these big old pots. And you have a picture right here uh, of this. You see the three trees, uh, one, two, three, and I'm behind the clothing. You see, see those suckers leaning? This one right here, you see it's the leaning tower of hibiscus. And it's lean because she planted it, and a few days later, we had these straight winds come through. You know the, the winds we've had with some of the storms here lately? And we came out, and they're all just lean. I said, honey, you forgot something. When something's young and small and it's beginning to grow, sometimes you got to have a, a, a limb. you got to have a stick. you got to have a dowel rod. you got to have a broomstick or something into the ground and lash it to it to give it strength so it'll grow straight and tall so it can endure the storms. So it can endure to grow straight and tall. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I know the Roman Empire. They're telling you that if you give them your absolute devotion, their absolute affection, they will give you peace, Pax Romana, and they will give you financial prosperity. And you're going to be tempted to buy into that. And I'm going to tell you, no, endure that the only place you're going to look for it is in Jesus Christ. He is the only place you will find the peace and the life and the joy that you want. Endure. Don't cave into the culture. Endure. Endure is always, endurance is always about circumstances. It's always about circumstances. It's about in a circumstance where you hold on to a hope that just pulls you through till you get through the circumstance. Maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do with your life. You have no calling upon your life. You feel like you're drifting with no direction. Maybe that's you. And you're just stuck in this situation with no direction for your life. Maybe you're in financial overload. You have so much debt, not enough income coming in, and you find yourself just, oh, just this hole, this financial hole. Maybe you find yourself married, but you're married, but you're lonely. You're in the same house, but nobody's home but you, it feels like. Maybe you have an addiction. It just won't let go. You keep working the plan, but those triggers, those little urges, they just keep coming. I mean, they just keep coming. And your temptation is to quit. Your temptation is to bail. The Scripture says, endure. No, endure. Those who please the Lord, they endure in hard circumstances because they're hanging on to a hope. What's the hope? What's the hope? Jeremiah 29, 11, what does God say? I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a what? A future. I'm going to hang on to that hope that though I can't see it, God has a plan and God's going to take me through this circumstance and there's a future that is beyond this. I'm hanging on, I'm going to endure. I'm not quitting, I'm not bailing. I'm hanging on. Sometimes we'll say stuff like this, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And we hang on to Christ has died, and yes, to Christ has risen, but we don't think about Christ will come again. Christ is going to come again. 
He's telling the Colossian church, I know the oppression of the Roman Empire is so powerful, pressing you down, getting you to conform. But I'm telling you, don't you conform. Christ will come again, and all kingdoms will fall except his kingdom. That's why you endure, to be a member of his kingdom. And even if he does not come back before you die, when you die, he will come for you. Your good, good father will come for you, and you can stand in front of him. And you can hear him say, well done, you endured my good and faithful servant. But you got to hang on to the hope. you got to hang on to the hope. See, Endurance is all about circumstances and hope. Patience is all about people. Anybody have any people in your life you have a hard time being patient with? Don't look at them right now. <laughs> yeah, you give it away. I mean, there's just some people in your life, right? They just get under your skin. I mean, they just kind of tick you off. I mean, they just breathe and you go, ugh. I mean, there's some people where you're always doing this because they just make it crawl. You know what I'm talking about? It just, y'all, you're just around and all of a sudden you got the creeps. It's just crawling. And you're going, oh, because those people just do, make you pucker up, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, I mean, can we be truthful here? I mean, there's people like that. Some of you, have, it's your kids. Some of you, it's your dad, and that's not why you're not calling him on Father's Day. The scripture says you want to please the Lord. You're patient. How are you patient? How are you patient? It says very clear in the scripture. You back up right there. It says, being strength, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you can have endurance and patience. But that word glorious, it gives us a clue. That word glorious in the short form is glory. In the Hebrew is kabod, which literally means weighty. In the, in the Greek, it is doxa, which is the, the, the personal opinion of someone who gives you value. So we're talking about the weighty opinion of God about your value. And here's what God says about you. I know you. I see you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can you can, because I'm with you, and I have been patient with you. And because I am patient with you, you can be patient with him or with her in my strength. You can. In the glorious might of the Lord, what he says, I can endure. I can be patient with my kids even though they drive me crazy. The third one, going backwards up there at the end of verse 10, growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God is not growing in the knowledge that I'm saved. It's not growing in my redemption, my restoration, I've been forgiven. When you know that word knowledge and what the word knowledge means, it's really saying growing in the knowledge of God's heart. Growing in knowing God's heart. I want to ask you a quick question. Don't answer it out loud. I want you to ask it internally in the art, sanctuary, excuse me, uh, true worth. Here's the question. Don't raise your hand. How many of you 
How many of you are at least 15 minutes a day in this book? How many of you stop uninterrupted 15 minutes a day? That's all I'm saying, 15 minutes in this book. You cannot know the heart, the knowledge of God's heart without really knowing this book. There's something about this book. God's word, God's heart is revealed. God's heart is revealed in this book. When a Jewish child reached six years of age, the father takes the son or daughter to the synagogue and they get to taste honey for the very first time. Honey. And so they taste the honey. And the rabbi goes, well, how was the honey? They go, it was fantastic. It was the most awesome thing I've ever had in the world. You put it on Cheerios, I'll have it for breakfast forever. It'll be the best meal ever. And then the rabbi holds, picks up the little kid and says, the scriptures are even sweeter. And here's what I think. I think some of my friends that I love here so much, I think some of you, you've lost your understanding of how sweet are the scriptures. You say, oh, Pastor, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not that I don't think they're sweet. It's just that I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. My schedule's kind of crazy. I got to get up and I'm running here. I'm running there. I'm running here. I got, I, and I say, no, please, please don't, please don't play that game with me. Please don't go there. Please don't make that cop out. Because here's what I know. We all do what we value. We all do what is important. What you're telling me is that this is not just that important to you. And I'm telling you, you're not going to know the heart of God on your own. And bumper sticker theology doesn't work. Oh, we all like bumper sticker theology, right? It's really tweet theology now. 280 characters. If I can tweet it, 280, I, I'll buy into that. Just give it to me in a short little caption. I don't want to read the whole thing. Just get to the main thing. 280 characters. I got it. And I will tell you, church, uh, that doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. Yeah, it's all simple. You can tweet this. Tweet this. God is love. You can tweet that. It's in the Bible. God is with me. God is for me. You can tweet that. It's in the Bible. Don't be anxious about anything. Very simple. Very simple. Don't be anxious about anything. Very, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Very simple. Just hang on to that. Great. That's all great. Very simple. But you don't know if you believe that until you're in a situation, a circumstance that's difficult. Until it sinks into your soul. Until you've lost your job. And you've got no income coming in. And the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. Or your spouse walks out on you. Or your kids don't call on Father's Day. And you feel all alone. And the scripture says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're not alone. And then you got to wrestle and let that sink in deep. Do I really know the heart of God? That's that what God believes in God is. Do you know God's heart for you, really? Do you know it? Not just here, 
but in here. It's not just knowledge. Listen, you can have your phone. The cell phone, the smartphone is the end of I don't know. You just Google it. But you can Google it, and that doesn't mean you know this book because you've not spent time with it on a regular basis. God's heart. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. Bear fruit in every good work. That's really the first thing that it says there when it talks about having this, living this life that's worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way. Bear fruit in every good work. And uh, here's, here's what I want to make you a little promise. Here's what I, what I think is true. That if you are a person who's filled with joy, joyful thanksgiving, and if you're someone who's enduring and having patience, and if you're someone who's growing and knowing the heart of God, here's what's going to happen. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. You are going to start pointing people to God. You're going to do it. And here's what that means. That means you sometimes entering into somebody else's mess. And you know why you enter into somebody else's mess? Because you've been there and done that, and God's healed you. And because God's healed you, you enter into that mess with that person so they can taste the fruit of your own healing till they can taste the fruit of their healing, to give them hope to push through the circumstance. And if you don't do it, who will? Sometimes, sometimes that means you inviting someone into your home that you don't want in your home. Sometimes that means you inviting somebody to church. When's the last time you invited somebody to come join you in worship? When's the last time? When's the last time you spoke to somebody at worship that you've not yet met? I want you to do something. I want you to turn and find lock eyes with somebody in this room. Back there at the back too, Sanctuary True Worth. Everybody, if you're driving, don't do this. Okay. <laughs> don't do this. I want you to lock eyes with somebody that you can see you do not know. Lock eyes with them right now. Turn around, lock eyes with somebody you have not yet met, you don't know. Lock eyes. I didn't say talk, I said lock eyes. I take back what I said about y'all being awesome. You can't follow directions. Okay, so, so now here's what I want you to know. Here's God's heart. Here's God's heart. The person that you locked eyes with, they not walk out this door or those doors until someone speaks to them and say, I see you. You're a human being and you matter. That's God's heart. But pastor, you don't understand. That's out of my comfort zone. I'm not talking about your comfort zone. I'm talking about God's heart. <laughs> I'm talking about bearing fruit. <laughs> and bearing fruit doesn't mean you're trying to earn your salvation. You know what it means? It means you're putting effort. God is opposed to earning, but God loves effort. It takes effort to endure. It takes effort to be patient. It takes effort to get, go to bed at a certain time so you can get up at a certain time to be in this book. It takes effort to serve down the hallway in our kids' ministries. It takes effort to show up and to serve at the doors. It takes effort to get well. It takes effort. How much effort are you putting out for the glory of God that you might bear fruit to point people to Christ? Where do you start? Being a person of joy. That's where it starts, being a poor, joyful thanksgiving. And then it moves to being a person that is patient. I mean, can, I, can I tell you something about patience and endurance? Dads, listen to dads. I know at the time, I really don't care. 
patience and endurance. Dads, you want your kids to trust you? You want your kids to trust you? Then you endure and you be patient because they're not going to trust you if you're impatient and you keep not showing up and you quit. And then you got to be in this book. And if your kids see you in this book, you think they're going to get in this book? If they see you in the book, you got to be in the book. And then the Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm going to imitate Christ. You imitate me. I want to ask you something, dads. If your kids imitate you, is there anything about you that's going to be imitating Christ? If your kids imitate you, is there anything about you that is like Christ? Are you bearing enough fruit that your kids see any part of Christ in you? So how are you doing? You took these four things. Where are you? I just want to give you a time, just, just a minute there, just to kind of sit and be still, just, just for a minute. We're, we're closing up. Just, but somebody is about to do something very important. Maybe you're someone that's so far from God, you never even thought about <laughs> that you wanted your good, good father's approval, but you really do down deep. And so right now you're going to go, oops, that's me. Maybe that's what's missing in my life. And you say, God, you're just going to say, God, I need you. I give up. I give up. And I'm telling you, I want to learn more about your heart for my life. I need more. And I just want to see if it might be you. I, I want to take a chance. Maybe, maybe you're someone here this morning that you've forgotten. You've forgotten what God has done for your life. You've gotten lazy gotten apathetic, taking for granted this gift of life that you have. The forgiveness, the healing, the recovery, the rescue. Maybe some of you are just tired. You're tired of enduring and you're ready to quit. But you're going to grab hold of the hope one more time, one more day. You're going to grab hope be the dad your kids need you to be and believe you to be. You're going to endure and be patient because God's been patient with you. And how much fruit? Is there any fruit? So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, your sons and your daughters, that when they walk out these doors, God, that something will be different. There'll be a change. And God, you will use us. Even as you use the Colossian church, you will use us that the gospel might be spread throughout the world, your great love, and that people will see Christ because they've encountered us. May it be so. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. Please linger as much as you can. Thanks for coming. See you. Bye.